Have you ever wanted to start a business, own a business, or buy a business? Well, in today's episode, we're going to be talking about some of the mindsets, the processes that it takes to do just that. You know, I got to talk with Carl today, and what really amazed me is it's actually a much better idea to buy an existing business than to go out and I've learned so much over this first year of podcasting, and I wanted to share with you guys the 10 most life-changing lessons that I have learned this year. So I created a document, and it's on my website. What you're going to do, you're going to go there. It's going to be 10 life-changing lessons. Click on that button. It'll ask for your email address so I can email it to you. Sign up for it because these life lessons radically changed the way I viewed my life and the way I started living. It helped me to get better in the areas that I've so desperately wanted to see progress and growth in. And because I know they helped me, I really believe that they will help you. And I wanted this to be a gift for you guys. So I really hope you enjoy this gift and go to the website, thewholepersonpodcast.com to get it. It's free. And I hope you guys enjoy and learn as much as I did from it. Today, our guest is Carl Allen, and he has a really incredible quote that I want to start us off with. It's, having money makes you rich, but having time to enjoy life makes you wealthy. And in this idea of building a whole person, if your life sucks, but you have all the money in the world, are you really a whole person? No, not at all. And so we're having Carl Allen on the show to talk about his career, his experience in business, the way he has learned to have an entrepreneurial mindset, how to leave a legacy, how to build wealth, and to prepare for the future. Carl, in his 30-year career, has amazing accomplishments. He has helped over let's see here, 330 transactions worth close up to $48 billion in selling one's business to another buyer. So basically, this is business acquisition here. And he has had 16 years of experience on Wall Street as well when he worked for Bank of America and Hewitt Packard. But when he almost missed the birth of his son, he decided to switch gears and go work for himself. So Carl, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm great, Evan. Thanks for having me. It's a real pleasure to uh, to join you. Well, it's not every day we get to talk to someone whose business is helping people sell and buy businesses. So yeah. this is a this is kind of a new idea to bring to our show and so I'm I'm pretty excited about it. Tell us, before we get into even that, tell us your story. Tell okay. us the background where, where you were working on Wall Street and then you just, you had to make the change. T- tell yeah. us about that. Yeah, so uh, so I'm, I'm 49, nearly 50 this year. I started my career back in 1992. So I went to work on Wall Street for Bank of America. So I, I did mergers and acquisitions, which as you've alluded to, um, is advising people on the buying and selling of businesses. Clearly, back then, these were 
hundreds of millions and billion dollar companies. So I did that for a whole bunch of years, you know, made, made a lot of money, um, you know, bonuses in that world and, and salaries, as you can imagine, you know, pretty healthy. So I did all that stuff. And then, then I, I left that world early 2000s, did an MBA at the University of Chicago, Graduate School of Business. And then I ended up um, working in corporate mergers and acquisitions. So I was one of the guys working for Hewlett-Packard, the big computer company, uh, buying businesses for them all over the world. And, and I did that right the way through until 2008. So it was the 1st of February, 2008, and, and I'm in Russia, so I'm in Moscow, and I'm in a boardroom with HP, and we were buying another business in Russia to stick on to what HP was already doing. So we're going through that deal, close to kind of finalizing it, and then my, my cell phone rings, and it's my wife, who's 36 weeks pregnant, and she's calling me and calling me and calling me. And, you know, I'm in the middle of this pitch to do this deal and I'm red buttoning her and she's calling me back. And I thought, okay, well, something's wrong. I better better answer the call. And I said, hey, how are you doing? Uh, I don't have any time. I'm in this meeting. She said, well, you got to get out of that meeting right now. You got to get home because I've just gone into labor four weeks early. And I could hear the sirens from the ambulance like she's going to the hospital so I'm like, oh, no. So I literally, I'm in this meeting room. I picks, up my, I picks up my wallet. I picks up my keys for my car. I picks up my phone, and I had my passport with me, always had my passport with me. And I runs out of the building, didn't take my luggage. My luggage, I think, is still there. I never went back for it. I runs out of the building. I flags down a cab. I gets to the airport. I managed to get back to England uh, I had a police escort all the way to the hospital, and I ran into the, the delivery room about five minutes before my son came out. So my wife's there in position, holding on for me, bless her, my beautiful wife, Julia. And then my, my son comes out. So my son, Josh, who's now almost 13, he's 13 in February, he pops out. And, uh, and I'm cradling this little tiny guy, he's like four weeks early, I'm cradling him in my arms. I burst into tears and I just thought, I can't do this anymore. Uh, my family needs me now. I'd been all over the world. I was always on planes, always doing deals, and I'd missed a lot of the pregnancy. So I, I called my boss and I quit. I walked away from a million dollar plus of stock options and bonuses, and I, I, I quit HP. And they said, hey, don't quit. We'll give you three months off. I said, no, I'm going to quit. I thought, I'm going to retire. I'm going to retire at the grand old age of 37. I'd, I'd, I'd made a lot of money. I thought, I'm going to retire and watch my, watch my son grow up. Um, and I lasted three weeks. <laughs> After about three weeks, um, I, was, I was actually quite ill mentally. Uh, I'd gone from 100-hour weeks flying all over the world to nothing. And whilst it was lovely to spend time with my son and with, with, with my wife, um, I decided that I needed to do something. So I sat down with my wife one night over a lovely bottle of red wine and I was really panicking. I'm like, honey, what am I going to do? She said, well, your biggest problem is you only have one skill set. said, you're one of the best in the world at buying and selling companies. Uh, the good news is you're one of the best in the world at buying and selling companies. She said, why don't you become a business broker? Why don't you... Um, 
buy and sell businesses, not billion dollar companies that I've been doing in, in that 16, 17 year period, but you know, go find one to $10 million businesses and you know, go sell them or go help people buy them. So I thought that's a really cool idea because I can only do then deals within 50 miles of my house. I can work from home. I can set my own schedule. Uh, you can set up a business brokerage company in like an hour, dead easy. So I did that. I set my business brokerage up working from home and I got my first deal. So um, it was a transportation company, uh, about $5 million in revenues, very profitable, uh, went and saw the two brothers and they said, Carl, we want you to sell the business for us. Go and find us a buyer that's going to pay us a lot of money for this business. Great. Know how to do that. Um, so I found them buyer. He was going to pay them a lot of money for the business. And the way business brokers are compensated, Evan, is you get a little bit of money at the start of the project, like a retainer fee, but you really make most of your money uh, when, the, when the deal happens. It's called a contingent fee. That, that's how this world operates. So my fee for closing that deal was going to be like $200,000, one deal, uh, three months. And I thought, this is great. You know, I, 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 I do five or six of those a year, I'm making seven figures again. Thank you very much. So it's the night before closing, and it's about seven o'clock at night. And I'm in my office at home, and I'm getting all the paperwork ready. Tomorrow was closing day, and I'm, I was going to get $200,000. And literally, my phone rings, and it's the owner. It's Colin, the owner of the business, one of the two brothers. And, and he's he doesn't want to sell. He doesn't want to sell. And the reason he didn't want to sell he calls me, he says, look, we're pulling the deal. My heart just sank. He said, we're pulling the deal because the new owner, the new the buyers just come into the business and told us that tomorrow he's going to fire everybody. He doesn't want any of the employees. All he wants are the trucks, which are the assets in the business, and the customer base, which is the real asset in the business. He's got everything else he needs. He doesn't need anything else. He's going to uh, he's going to rip the signs down off the wall. The brand will disappear. Everyone's going to get fired. Um, no real kind of payoffs because he was going to buy the business, liquidate the legal entity that was left, and then everybody would be let go. And, and the guy said, we can't do that. We can't sit on a beach with millions of pounds. This was a business in the UK. We can't sit on the beach with millions of pounds knowing that all of our employees that had really served us so well over 25 years, we're going to be put in harm's way. So he said, you better come down. We need a plan B. So I'm driving down the motorway in England at like 7.30 at night, and it's pouring down with rain. And I'm thinking, I just lost $200,000. What am I going to do? So I get to the business, and it goes in, and we were in the warehouse. So this business had a warehouse as well. And we're in the warehouse, and all it got all the people in there. There was, I don't know, 40 people in there. Uh, and they were having a company meeting. And he looked at me and said, look, you've got to go find us a buyer. We don't care how much they pay. Go find us a buyer that they can't fire anybody, and they're going to keep the name of the business, and they're just going to trade it in the way that we've built it. You know, They're going to kind of honor the legacy that we've built in the business. And I don't know what possessed me. I don't know what possessed me. I looked them in the eyes, and I said to them, I said, I'll buy the business. And they started laughing. They're like laughing at me. Like, you're going to buy the business? 
well, what do you know about the transportation industry? I said, well, I've been working with you for three months. I know exactly how you make money. Uh, I know how to improve this business. I know how this industry now works. Uh, I said, I will buy the business. I'm, uh, and I calculated in my head what I thought I could afford to pay them. I said, half of the money I'll give you at closing because I'm going to finance the warehouse and the trucks and some of the other assets in the business. Plus, this business had a ton of surplus cash inside of the bank. But I'll give you that money. That's your closing payment, your down payment. And then the rest of the money, let's split the profits 50-50 over the next three years. And they're looking at me, and they're looking at each other. And then I pointed at the sales manager, I pointed at the financial controller, and I pointed at the operations manager, and I said, and I'm going to give those three... 10% each of the company, and we're going to run it together. So they looked at each other. They looked at me and smiled and said, we'll give you 30 days. If you can make that happen in 30 days, we'll do the deal. And then everyone's clapping and cheering, and there was this, like, huge, big trucker guy. He must have been, like, six feet five, uh, like 300 pounds. He runs over to me. He grabs me, and he's lifting me up in the air, like, in celebration. So, so I thought, great. So I'm driving home, and I thought, why did I do that? <laughs> uh, I get home, and my wife said to me, well, you're crazy. You know, you're supposed to be selling this company, not buying it. And I said, well, look, I can buy this business. I don't have to put any of our own money into it. Um, there's enough financing that I can raise from all of the assets, plus they'll, they'll agree to take um, half of the money over time through a profit share, so I can buy 70% of this company without investing a single dollar of our money. And she said, well, that sounds amazing. If you could do that, then do it. So that's what I did. So it took me about three weeks. Um, you know, So I called the bank. They valued the assets, and they said, yeah, we'll give you X. And then there was enough profitability to pay down that loan, plus pay the guys as well, and make me some money. So I owned that business for like three years. And then after three years, um, the three founding part, the th my three founding partners, they bought me out. Um, so they bought my 70%. And I believe today they still own it. So that was my first ever deal as an individual. And, and what I did, Evan, the technical term for what I did is called a leveraged buyout. So that's a fancy Wall Street term. Obviously, I'd done a bunch of those in my in my Wall Street days. But a leveraged buyout is essentially buying a business using other people's money. Um, so I did that. And whilst it was great to become a business owner, it was passive income for me. Uh, after, you know, I, I spent the first week down there probably full time. You know, we formul formulated a plan and a strategy of how we were going to grow. And then I would just go there once a week for a couple of hours and let the guys just run the business. So I became... Uh, what I call an owner-investor, not an owner-manager. If you want to be an owner-manager, you've got to go and run the business every day. You know, I didn't want to do that because I'd never run a transport company before, but I could own that business, collect a big executive paycheck, and have a team that were doing all the things for me to run that business. So my takeaway from that deal was not only I can leverage my Wall Street skills and my brain to do these deals – but number, number two, 
I can get other people to run businesses I buy, so I can buy lots of businesses. I don't just need to buy one. And then number three, that I realized the biggest takeaway for me is that there's going to be a lot of other people in the market that want to sell their business, but don't want to sell necessarily to a competitor that is going to rip that business apart and destroy what could be 25 or 30 years of really hard work building it. That they would off, they would accept a lower valuation for their business, and a more creative deal structure, i.e., paying them some of that money over time. I just needed to figure out uh, psychologically how I could play those people and how I could find them. So that's what I did. So I built, um, I, I, I built my investment methodology strictly along those lines, and I started finding and acquiring other companies. Um, and I was buying all of these businesses. I owned up to 17 businesses at one point, probably got a little bit too much because you do need to spend a little bit of time on these businesses when you own them. You can't just buy them and forget about them forever. You know, you've got to put a little bit of your of, of your skills into them. Um, so over time, I've kind of ebbed and flowed. I've gone down to as low as five, back up to 12 and and doing all these different things. And then where, where my life really took on a new uh, kind of trajectory, and this is what I'm really passionate about, and this, this is my own legacy in, in my life, is about five, four or five years ago, I started to get inundated by people who would sit down and say, look, can you teach me how to do what you do? Can you teach me how to find deals? Can you teach me how to build unbelievable relationships with sellers. Can you teach me you know, how to raise financing and, and how to negotiate with a seller? And can you teach me how to, how to recruit like a CPA and an attorney to kind of close the deal and handle the paperwork? Can you teach me how to do that? Um, and I said, well, sure, let's, let's book the whole day out. And they're like, no, 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 no. I mean, like really teach it, like create a program. And this was at the time when, like online training was becoming like a thing, uh, online coaching. Um, so I, I, I thought, well, no, I don't want to do that. And then one of my friends turned around to me and he said, I bet you can't do it. I bet you can't build an online coaching company that teaches people how to do deals. And that's, for me, like a red rag to a bull ever. People tell me <laughs> I can't do something. Yeah, It's game over. I know I'll do it. So I did. So I, I built a program. Um, I, I built a coaching program. And um, today, we have over five and a half thousand people that we coach and we mentor all over the world. Um, big concentrations in the US, UK, Canada and Australia, but there's people in virtually every other country uh, that are, are closing deals and buying businesses. Because there are millions and millions and millions of small businesses for sale. You've got baby boomers in the US, 10,000 baby boomers every single day, according to the Wall Street Journal, are retiring in the United States. And tons of that own small companies. So they're coming to market, they want to retire, and it's like, well, who's going to buy my business? And only one in 11 businesses actually sell. So we're targeting the 10 of the 11 that don't sell and offering them, you know, a safe trusted pair of hands, you know, a safeguarded employee and legacy protection scheme, if you will. Um, and we're basically using the business's own 
assets and resources to buy it, um, which is exactly what they do on Wall Street. So I'm not doing anything that um, hasn't been done on Wall Street for 70, 80 years. That's where I learned how to do this. But I'm doing it in, in the small and medium uh, business space. Technically, one, $1 to $10 million revenue companies, that, that's where I play. So, okay. so that's who I am and that's what I do. And, and I don't just teach this stuff. Um, I, I eat my own cooking, so to speak. So I'm also a partner in a private equity company. Um, you know, I, I mentioned at the start, uh, before we went on air, that I, I normally spend half of my time in the US. That's where my private equity company, Prox Capital, is based. And, and is uh, that so, Dealmaker Wealth? Yeah, so Dealmaker Wealth Society is my, my coaching company. Gotcha. Prox Capital Group is my private equity company where we are buying businesses ourselves, um, obviously using the methodologies that I'm coaching in my other business, Dealmaker Wealth Society. So that's what so, I do. That's really fascinating because a lot of people who are listening to this podcast don't know this, but before I started this podcast, I was in the process to buy an already existing podcast with somewhat of a, a decent base and the gentleman wanted $50,000. Great guy. He moved on to create another successful podcast. So he's still playing in the space and it's way more successful than his other podcast. So he didn't do anything in it. And I thought 50,000 was a little bit much, but based off of the people who he had on the show and who he was, I felt like that relationship and the ability to talk to some high profile people yeah. would be worth $50,000 to me. And so what ended up happening is we, we agreed verbally on a deal. I get the contract and it was very much of a whammy. It was, it was not structured at all for a win-win. It was okay. more of a him win. And if I have the smallest screw up or, or a bad quarter, it, he could put a lien on my house. Yeah. Like, like, I, and so the thing is, is like 90 plus percent of podcasts will fail. His hadn't been going for a year. So long story short, I decide, nope, I'm not going to do that because there's no guarantee his listeners will want to listen to me. And $50,000 is a lot uh, in the context of, of the podcast and, and other stuff. Cool. So I ended up creating my own. That deal fell through. But I've always had this interest in being a business owner because right now yeah. I'm a real estate agent. And, yeah. you know, I hear a lot of people in my industry, oh, my business, you know, my business is this. And, you know, no, it's not your business. It's you're self-employed. Yeah. You have a job, not a business. Exactly. And there's a difference between being self-employed and owning a business. There are. And so I, I always find it funny when people in my industry say, oh yeah, well, I own my own business. I'm like, no, you don't. You don't own the brokerage. Like that's the business owner. <laughs> and so as someone who wants to move into owning a business, what are some of the things I should think about for myself and even for the audience to, to prep myself yeah. and, and go about looking, should I stay in my, my lane because I'm a real estate agent 
and yeah. I understand real estate. So should I create my own brokerage? Cause that would be cheaper than trying to buy one. Not necessarily. We'll, we'll get to that in a minute. So, uh, so a couple of things then. So just before we go into that, that's a great yeah. question, by the way, let, let, let me tell you what you should have done on your deal. Uh, so the first thing you should have done is did you have legal representation to negotiate that contract? He had legal representation that wrote it up at yes, for quotation mark, both of us. Yeah. So big rookie mistake uh, because buyers will all, if, so if, if sellers create the purchase contract, um, it's always going to be seller friendly. Um, it's normal for a buyer to draw up that agreement. And if you have a good relationship with an attorney, you can have them do that work and pay them on a contingency fee basis. So you'd have only have paid the lawyer if the deal will have closed. And having your lawyer write that agreement up uh, just gives you a stronger negotiating mm. position when they come back and they want to change things. The second thing to say as well is, uh, and this this alludes to your point then, that um, you know it's cheaper for me to start a business than buy a business. It actually isn't. Because if, if you want to, let's say you want to buy a business that's, a million, that's worth a million dollars, you don't need to rock up to the closing table personally with a million-dollar check. In, in a lot of cases, you can rock up to the closing table with no money invested in that deal whatsoever. You can structure that deal where other people's money is coming to the table either at closing or later on after you've bought the business where you're paying the seller over time. And that, that's called seller financing. So it's, it's like leasing a car. And I want to talk about the car analogy for a second. Um, so, you know, a lot of people would rather start a business than buy a business. Uh, let me give you some statistics. In 2019, according to the SBA, 6.6 million Americans started a brand new company. And 96% of them will fail within 10 years. 50% will fail within one year, 80% will fail within five years, and then the 20% that survive, 80% of those will fail by year 10. Uh, and th those, are those are commonly known uh, statistics. Uh, my Michael Gerber, who wrote the, the book The E-Myth, which is one of my favorite business books of all time, um, he, he's the guy that first started talking about this 20, 25 years ago. And um, so you've got this unbelievable failure rate in startups, yet you've got millions and millions of businesses for sale. There are 2.4 million small businesses for sale right now, 2.44 million actually, in the US, and only one in 11 are going to sell in the next 12 months. So why start a business where you have no employees, no products or services, no credit, no cash flow, no reputation, no equipment, nothing, why don't you go and buy an existing company that's got cash flow and all of those things that you don't have and use other people's money to buy it? And, and think about a car. So um, so I just ordered a Tesla. So Tesla's just come to, well, Tesla's just starting to become a power force in the UK. They've built the power infrastructure now. We've not really kind of had it for a while. So I could have done one or two things. I wanted a Tesla. So did I go online and buy all the parts? Did I buy the wheels and the glass and the steering wheel and the battery and the screen and the, the windscreen wipers and all the cables and all the lights? And then did I go on YouTube and think, you know, how the heck do I 
plug all this together so it works? How, how do I build it from scratch? Or that I drive down to the Tesla showroom, order a car that they've built, and have Tesla finance that purchase 100% for me. That's what I did. And it's the same analogy. You don't have to start a company to become a business owner. You can buy one that's already existing. And my mission, Evan, my, my legacy that I'm building in my personal life is connecting all of those entrepreneurs, most of whom are going to fail, connecting those people to the millions and millions of business owners that either are frustrated or burnt out or they want to retire. They want to exit their businesses and they want a friendly, safe pair of hands to come in and take that business over. Now, that's really important, a safe pair of hands. And that goes back to your question. So the perfect business for me to buy is going to be very, very different the perfect business for you to buy. So my, my best advice I can give everybody is if you're looking to go into business and you're going to buy a business rather than start a business, it makes perfect sense to go and buy something in a sector that you know, you understand, you're passionate about, and you can add value to. There's, so if you're a sales guy for IBM, Go, go buy a technology company. You know, don't buy a laundromat because why, why would you? You don't know anything about the industry. Um, you probably don't know how to grow that business. Um, it would just be a complete waste of time. You know, if you're a, um, if you're a blue-collar worker, let's say you're a supervisor in, a, in an engineering company in Pennsylvania, don't go buy a gas station. Go buy an engineering business because you know how engineering businesses work. You've got the skills. You've got the passion. You've got the understanding. You've got the value you can add to that business to grow it, improve it, and then sell it and, and make a lot of money. Um, if, if you're really passionate about something but you don't have the industry skills, go and partner with somebody that does and buy the business together. I'll give you an example. So, um, one of my students, um, he works for Boeing, so he's an engineer. He's an engineering manager. And he said, I want to get out of the engineering industry. I hate it. I'm bored of it. I don't want to buy an engineering business. I want to buy a vineyard because I love wine. I'm really passionate about wine. He does like wine tasting in his spare time. That's what I want to do. I'm like, sure, Bill, but how do you know how to run a vineyard? How do you know how to grow grapes, how do you know how to pick them, how to ferment them, how to bottle all that stuff? How do you know how to do that? Well, I don't know how to do that. I'm like, great, but I want to learn. I said, well, okay, go and partner with somebody that, want, that knows that space. Go, go, you know, go find a business and there might be somebody in the business already, like a really strong number two that can be your partner and you can own the business 50-50. He said, oh, well, I don't want to own 50%. I want to own 100%. I said, well, sure, but if you try and buy a vineyard with no experience, you're likely not going to succeed. If you're lucky to even close the deal, seller's not going to take you seriously. Financiers are not going to take you seriously. But even if you manage to pull that off, you're probably going to make a really bad job of, of growing that business. So go partner with somebody. Yeah, you'll have to give away some of the ownership, but it's better to own 50% of something that you really want to do rather than 100% of nothing. So that's my best advice. You know, stay in your lane. 
Um, and if you want to get out of your lane because you're passionate about something else that you really don't understand business-wise how it works, just you know, just go on LinkedIn and find somebody that that can fill that gap for you and, and do the deal together. So, like for example, let's say I got super passionate about becoming, uh, you know, I wanted to buy a, a, a real estate brokerage. You know, I, I know nothing about that world, nothing. But if I was like really super passionate about it, I'd call you up and say, hey, Evan, I found this deal. Um, you know, we can get all the financing that we need for it. We don't have to put any of our money in. It'll take about a month to close the deal. Um, you know, will you come in as my wingman, um, help me with the deal and help me run the business and we'll share it 50-50? You'd be like, why not? Because then you get 50% of all the cash flow and you didn't have to go find the deal. So, um, so that's my best advice. That's what I would do. So I have a couple questions that I'm trying to formulate here and I'll just ask both of them and you go whichever way you want. All right. So as an individual, how do I go from where I'm at in life, in my finances, in my, in my family, in the uncertainty of the world to becoming a business owner, which, you know, we don't have a whole bunch in savings. I mean, we probably have more than the average American, but nothing, nothing to uh, feel comfortable about. And at the same time, would franchising something be better than buying a business outright? So for me, you know, I've been selling real estate for seven years and I, I like real estate, but I more have a passion about coaching and teaching, which as a broker of a business, I could do that more. And so if I were to start or to buy a brokerage, then I'd also have to take on the role of overseeing people's documents, which I hate doing. So I'd probably have to hire someone for that. Yep. So how do I go from where I'm at yep. with, let's say, low capital? Let's, yep. let's just say zero capital because I yep. doubt with what I had, my wife would say, yeah, go spend that. Yep. So let's say zero capital yep. to to starting or I shouldn't say start to open or to buy a business that's in my, my lane and wheelhouse. Yeah. Okay, cool. So there's, there's three or four really interesting kind of points in there and I'm going to hit them all individually. So the first thing I would say just to get that off the table is, um, you know, don't ever buy a franchise. Uh, and I'll tell you why. Um, the good thing about franchises, though, which I will tell you, is 96% of franchises don't fail inside of 10 years. It's only about 25%. So 75% of franchises succeed because a franchise is basically a marketing system and an operational system that's been proven to work. Um, some franchises don't, but most of them do. Um, part of, a big part of that world is regulated. So... But if you're buying a franchise, you're still technically buying a startup. All you're buying is a license to trade someone else's brand and someone else's system. And depending on the franchise, there are other things that they will give you, like marketing support and distribution and all those different things. But, but franchises um, are really, really hard to sell for a number of reasons. The first one is um, franchises are typically – uh, locked by territory. 
So take Subway. So if you buy a Subway franchise um, on the street, there's nothing to stop Subway selling another franchise two streets away. So you have a very, very small locked audience for your business. And even if you grew that business, bearing in mind Subway and other franchisors, they lock you down with fees and a whole bunch of different things. You know, they take not just upfront money, they, they take a percentage of your profits and there's a lot of restrictions on things you can and can't do. So you're not really a business owner if you own a franchise because you still really have a boss, which is the franchisor, really calling the shots on, on what you can and can't do. But even if you were successful and then you decide you know, to sell, the, the only reason to go into business is to build something, sell it, and then get paid for it. That's the only reason. Why, why else would you do it? Um, you know, because it's hard. It's really hard to start a business. You know, why, why would you go through all that pain and suffering and risk if, if it wasn't to make money? Um, right. You know, there's, there's no reason. Um, so the problem with the franchise, though, is if you do make it successful and you decide to sell it, you're going to want to sell it for more than you paid for it, plus all of the time and effort and stress that's gone into it. So why would somebody buy your franchise for multiples of what you paid for it when they can buy their own two streets away and set up in competition with you? So franchises are a really bad idea, uh, in, mm. in my opinion and in my experience. Um, going back to your other point, so from your situation, um, you can buy businesses without using your own money. You, you've just got to partner with people that have money. Um, whether they're equity investors, angel investors, you can crowdfund, you can pay the seller over time for some or all of the purchase price even. Um, if the business has got cash flow or it's got assets or it's got both, uh, those are things that financiers will use to allow you to borrow money. So debt financing, like you can go to the SBA. If you find a really good deal with the SBA, they'll give you up to 90% of the purchase price for the deal. Um, you just got to find 10% and you know, go partner with an investor that will put that money in and you can buy the business together. So that's how you can do it. In terms of like, where I, I, I sense like a mindset question as well inside of that. And, and what's really interesting is, and this might shock you when I say this, right? But nobody really wants to buy a business. Nobody really wants to own a business. What we want as human beings are the benefits that flow from becoming a business owner. So it's freedom. It's wealth creation. It's cash flow. It's pride. It's ego in some cases. Those are the things that we covet in our lives. And it just happens that buying and owning a business and using other people's money to do it in a sector that truly resonates with you and you're passionate about, for me, is my go-to way to achieve all of those different things. It's like, um, like we don't buy plane tickets to sit on a plane. We buy a plane ticket to go to a different destination. So the destination right. is the benefit. The fact that you were sat on a plane is, is, is the feature. And it's the same with what I do. Buying the business is the feature. Owning the business is the feature. The benefits are all of the things I've mentioned before. So cash flow, wealth creation, freedom, work-life balance, pride, uh, legacy even is, is, is a big one. So I think for, for you, 
it, it's all about what you want in your life. And, and, and it's dialing that in so it becomes like a powerful force inside of you that's going to give you the fuel and the purpose to kind of follow through and make something happen. And what's interesting is as human beings, everything we do in life and we're successful at is driven by that. Because as human beings, we, we all make decisions um, using our, our subconscious brain. So in our subconscious brain, which is the majority of our brain, that's where all our emotions live. So we all make decisions emotionally. Um, like why, why do people buy life insurance or insurance in general? It's the fear emotion. Um, you don't buy insurance just because you're buying insurance. Um, it's the fear emotion. You know, why, why do people buy um, half a million dollar sports cars? It, it, it's ego nothing else uh you know why why do why do people send their children to private schools you know it's pride so those are all the emotions and and that's what drives us to make decisions so you can rewire your brain to give you the purpose to do what you want to do so t tony robbins who's one of my mentors i'm in his platinum partnership program um he calls it the ppp the pleasure pain principle and, and what he talks about is that as human beings, we either do things to avoid pain or we do things to get pleasure. And buying a business actually does both because most of the people that I coach and mentor uh, are in some level of pain, in some level of frustration. So they're trapped in a corporate job. Um, you know, they're not making enough money. They're not getting recognized. They're slaving away. They're making their employee uh, employers tons of money, but it's not getting reflected in in, in their paychecks. Uh, and they want all of the things that, that I just talked about. They want that life of freedom. They want to spend time with their kids. They want to spend time with their wife. I used to be one of those guys. 2008, I was one of those guys. I was flying all over the world, making billions and billions of dollars for my employers. Uh, and yeah, I was making a decent amount of money myself, but I wasn't focused on what was truly important to me in my life, which was, which was my family and having a work-life balance, which uh, would, would make them happy. And that's why I walked away from that world. Um, so for all of my students, that's the first question I ask them is, you know, what do you want? And then I take so, them through a process of dialing that in every single day. If and you got you that in, if you got time, let's, do you want to do some of this? Yeah. Okay. So what do I want? Uh, several things. One, I would like to have a business and own it. I would also like to have some sort of ministry where, uh, you know, I travel, speak, teach both on biblical principles as well as personal growth. And I would like to have more freedom with my family and better finances. And my wife doesn't have to work and she can be at home with the kids. Perfect. So, so the first thing is, pick, you know, close your eyes if you want to or, or, or just, just really kind of visualize that. So think, you know, go, go forward 90 to 100 days. So if you started today and I was coaching you, in 90 to 100 days, what you've just imagined would be real. So the first thing I'll have you do is, you can do it now if you want or, or do it later, is 
visualize that in your mind. So think about that. What does that look like? Think about it. What does that look like? You own a business. It's throwing off cash flow every single month. Then you're probably spending five hours a week working on that business, not in that business. You're the strategy guy. You're the guy that's pulling the strings, but you've got a management team and a, and a set of employees that are doing all the work. And everyone's happy. And every single month, you get a big, fat executive paycheck. And you're working five hours a week. And then the rest of your time, uh, let's say another 40 hours a week where you're not um, doing your family stuff, you got time to do all of your ministry stuff. And you've got time to be with your family. You've got time to spend with your wife, date lunches, date nights, uh, spa days or whatever, which is what I do with my wife. You've got time to go to your kids' um, high school soccer games if you've got high school kids or um, recitals or ballet classes or all those different things that you know I do with my son. My son's an academy soccer player and I take him to training, I take him to games and I, I take my wife out for lunch and I do all of those different things. So think about all those things and, and then think about how that makes you feel peace. and how that's going to make your family feel. It, it's peace. It's peace. So keep thinking about that. You know, what do you notice about that? What, what does it look like? Uh, can you picture it? You know, can you picture the smiles of your family and the enjoyment of having money to do what you want to do. And um, because money is just a tool, you know, money, money is a tool to, to, you know, to do things with. So having money means you can travel first class, you can buy a big house, you can have a nice car. And, and, and it's how that makes you feel. You might want to donate to the church. You might want to donate to your community. You might want to buy your parents a new house. You might want to do a whole different bunch of things with, with, with the money that you generate. And what you need to do is, is keep thinking about that, keep visualizing that. How does that look? How does that feel? And, and just dial that into your mindset so that every single day when you open your eyes, you're on a mission. You're on a, you're on a journey to make that happen. Because then once that's dialed in, you, what you then have is, is a really clear, defined why, a really clear, defined purpose. And, and to get anything you want in your life, anything whatsoever, <clears throat> you've got to ask yourself three questions. The first question is, what do I want? You told me, and you're very specific. Mm. That's what I want. And get really super specific and, and time bound it. Don't just say, oh, I want to be rich. It's like, I want to earn a million dollars within the next 365 days after I've paid my tax. And I want it in my bank account and I'll be able to see it. That's a very specific goal. And then the second question, which is the most important question, is why do I want that? Why? What's my why? What's my purpose? Why do I want it? And you started talking about it. You want to have a work-life balance. You want to have time to travel and do a whole bunch of other different things, which I'm sensing the ministry piece you know, you're really, really passionate about. And I think that's amazing. You want so that your wife doesn't have to work so she can have, you know, she can be living her best life um, and doing all those different things. And then once you really dial down and really lock in the feelings and the emotions of what you want and why you want it, then all you need is an action plan. All then you need to do is, okay, so how am I going to get there? What do I need to do? Uh, and that's the easy part. 
That really is the easy part. You know, what I do, you know, buying a business is so easy once you know exactly what you want and you know exactly why you want it. Once you've dialed that in, it's easy. You're just following, it's like following a cookbook, just following a recipe. You're using my ingredients and my formula and you're just going through the process and your fuel to make you follow through and do all the work and take all the action that you need to take is driven by your what and your why. So once you've really, truly dialed that in, it creates an energy inside of you that uh, makes you unstoppable. And you can apply that to anything in life, not just buying a business. You can apply it to relationships. You can apply it to health. You can apply it to getting a promotion in the job or getting a, a raise in the job that you're already in. You can apply it to absolutely anything. Um, and I'm doing that right now on something completely unrelated to buying businesses because I can do that, obviously, very, very easy. So I'm going through a, a journey right now called 75 Hard. Um, I'm 50 in October, and I thought to myself, you know what, what would be great is before I'm 50, I'm just in the best mental and physical shape of my entire life and of anybody that I've ever met that's my age. And, and, and so that was my what. My why was that, you know, I, I want to live till I'm 100. Um, you know, I want to see all my children grow up. I want to be the healthiest person I could ever be. I want to have so much energy and vitality to do all of my business activity, all of my charitable activity, all of my travel. Um, and I just want to develop just this unbelievable mindset, uh, even stronger than what I've already got, to just dominate and power through anything I want to achieve in my life. That was my why. And that fuels me. That fires me up. That's like, it makes me crazy. I'm like, I want to do that. So I did some research and there's a program. It's completely free to do. It's called 75 Hard. In fact, it's $5 to do it You got because you download the app, Andy Frisella, 75 Hard. And I'm going through it and I'm on day 13 of 75 and I'm crushing it. Um, I'm crushing it because I have my why. I have my purpose dialed in, so it's really simple for me to do. If I didn't have my why dialed in, I'd have given up four days ago or maybe even on the first day. Um, I've tried diets and, you know, like one of the things about 75 Hard is you can't drink alcohol. And that's like one of the biggest passions in my life. I'm a massive beer connoisseur um, and a gin connoisseur. But, hey, I haven't had a drop for 13 days. Um, it's not that I don't want to, it's that I have a bigger purpose that I've really dialed in to my mindset to make me kind of push through uh, and get this done. And that, once you figure that out, and, and we, we spend the first kind of two to three weeks in our coaching program really kind of dialing that in. And, and people join the program and they think, well, okay, I just want to go buy a business. It's like, I know. Until you dial this in, um, you know, once you dial this in, it's going to be a lot easier because you'll know why you want to do this and you'll have the fuel and the drive to kind of push through. Because, you know, let's be honest, nothing, nothing in life that's substantial is easy. You know, uh, things, things always get tough. There are parts of what I do which are really easy. You know, my children could do it. But there are parts that are tough. 
and you need resilience to kind of push through and get them done. Um, so we spend that mindset time at the start to give you the force to just kick the door down and get it done rather than just give up and quit and go do something else, which is what a lot of people do in all areas of their lives. They, they, they find something that's tricky and they stop, they go to something else. That's why most startups fail. Mm. Aside from the fact that you don't have anything when you start, uh, once it gets a little bit trickier, you think, oh, I just, let's go, go start another company. Uh, maybe it's a bit easier. It's not. Nothing in life is easy. But once you have that de- determination, desire to get you through, you're unstoppable. Do you still have a few minutes or do you need to go soon? Uh, I'm good for three minutes. Three minutes. Well, then, never then I'm mind on a coaching then. call with 5,000 entrepreneurs. <laughs> Perfect. Well, never mind then because the question will not be answered in three minutes. <laughs> okay. I can, hey, I, I can come back on the show. I've loved this. I, I'm happy to come Perfect. back anytime. Yeah. Well, we can set that up and, yeah. and make that happen. We can do a part two. So let's uh, take this here and, and land the plane. What I like to end the show with the same three questions. So, Currently, what negative self-talk are you struggling with and overcoming? So right now, I'm not because I'm going through 75 hard and, and, and it's eliminating all of that stuff. In, in my entire life, my 49 and a half years of being on this planet, I've never felt so positive and energetic and, and really at peace with myself. Uh, if you'd have asked me that question three weeks ago, um, my, my biggest piece of negative self-talk probably would have been, um, do I have enough hours in my day to do all of the things I really want to do? Um, looking after all of my businesses, spending time with my family. Um, and 75 Hard's got me you know, super more organized and focused in, in, in what I want to do. So I, I think two to three weeks ago, self-talk would have been, I don't have enough time. Um, but today I don't feel that way. What brings you peace? Peace for me is fulfillment. You mentioned it at the start. Um, it's not about the science just of success. Anyone can be successful Peace for me is having the art of fulfillment, being able to enjoy it, you know, living in the moment, you know, stop worrying about what's happened before, just learn from the lessons or mistakes you've made, stop planning and thinking into the future. It's great to have goals, not saying that's not a good thing, but enjoy the moment, you know, be grateful for what you have, be grateful for the love of your family, be grateful for, you know, the two million year old brain uh, that you have, you know, be grateful for your heart that beats, you know, several thousand times a day um, without you having to think about it. You know, be grateful for just all those things that we're blessed with in our lives um, and enjoy it. What's the best decision you've ever made? The best decision I ever made was was buying that transport company mm. in 2008. That's the best decision I've ever made because... Um, not because I've made a ton of money. It's nothing to do with that because it's given me a skill set and a platform to change so many people's lives, to Mm. stop people from starting businesses, to help sellers exit their businesses in a graceful way. 
and, and really start to solve the problem that exists in small businesses in America and actually all over the world. That you've got millions of people that want to sell companies and can't, and millions of people that want to start companies and fail. I'm, I'm, it's a crude analogy. I'm like the Tinder of the small business marketplace. I'm just connecting buyers and sellers together and giving them all the tools and the training and the confidence to make this happen. Awesome. Carl, thank you so much for joining us on today's show. And we'll connect here to get you on, on back here shortly. Great. Thanks very much. All right. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. When I started this podcast, it was important for me to lead by example, that I wouldn't hide behind a fake mask acting like I've arrived and speaking from the mountaintop. My whole purpose was to be vulnerable about where I was, my failures, my struggles, and my successes so that I could be a bridge, that I could be a gap in this process of showing people how to change in the areas of faith, family, finances, friendship, fitness, and fun because that's exactly where I'm at and what I'm doing. And I had a coach years ago and he was the first coach I've ever had and he did it for a very affordable rate because I couldn't afford anything more than what he offered me. But he told me this, Evan, someday you're going to get in a spot where you're going to be able to give back to others. And I want you to remember what I'm doing for you here and now, that it's made affordable so that you can actually go through it. He goes, I believe in you and I trust that you'll do this. And so because of that, it resonated within me that at a certain point when I felt I've had enough hard knocks that I had something to offer other people, I would start a coaching program. And this is that. I am now starting a coaching program and I'm going to make it affordable because by the graces of someone else that helped me out when I was first starting my journey, I wanted to do the same for other people. So I'm going to offer a free 15-minute coaching phone call to anyone that wants it. You can go to the website, thewholepersonpodcast.com and sign up for that free coaching phone call. And if you're looking to have a longer extended coaching relationship outside of that first 15 minute phone call. I have the prices right up front. I'm open about it. And I'd be more than happy to see if we'd work well with one another and can help you reach and achieve the goals that you have in life. Guys, thank you so much. I hope you enjoy the show.